Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Some of the team, we are going to visit another space to create some space. It's so important that we learn and that we get poured into from others. And guess what? Talking T minus one week till Vision Sunday. It's my privilege to give an introduction to somebody who really stood out to me that I've gotten to know, Ryan Gonzalez. When we were sitting and chatting, the humility that he brings to the table and the confidence in Jesus was just truly inspiring. And today, I want you to be impacted by that, his story, how his love for his family, the grace of God that's just pouring in his life. So come on, our very own, who's typically behind the soundboard, is gonna be rocking the mic, bringing word this morning. Ryan Gonzalez, y'all. Oh, wow. I didn't even know he'd say my name in that video. That's the first time I saw it. I was like, hey, how's the order of service going? Well, we got this video, we got this video, and then he'll give you an introduction. I was like, okay, he'll probably just be talking about some random stuff. And then he said my name. Oh, that's wild. Sorry for all the noise. Alrighty, so my name is Ryan Gonzalez, usually behind the soundboard with those, uh, those guys back there. One of the things I always say is that the best team is the team you don't know is there, because we're doing our job correctly. So if you didn't notice me, then we're doing our job, so that's good. Um, when Jerome asked me to give the word today, or a word today, I said yes really quickly. And uh, just to tell you a little bit about myself, um, I used to go to a different church. I used to go to Mount Hope Church, and if anybody knows what that church is, it's a big church with all the flags. I used to go there a lot. And then switched gears and was uh, really searching my life and my heart and really felt like God was, was giving me time for a change. It's like, it's time for you to go somewhere else, time for you to make a change. And I didn't like that because I like things to be the same all the time. I'm more of an introvert. I'd rather be at the house all day and just hang out with the fam and not do anything. But when I go to work on Monday, they're like, hey, what'd you do this weekend? And they're like, oh, they said, oh, they, I went skiing and I did this and I went to this and this and that. What'd you do? I'm like, I sat at home all weekend and I loved it because we didn't do a whole lot. So a search in my heart, I was like, Lord, what do you want from me? Because I, I thought that the other church was going to be my forever home, and I was already like, you know, making plans for the future, and I was going to retire there and everything. And then, you know, God just kind of switched tracks on me, and I didn't expect that. And it was very um, unpleasant because I'm not used to things being out of order. But so I was praying about it, and I was praying about it, and I was praying about it. And I was at work one day in the parking lot, and I said, Lord, it's enough of this. I need to know where the direction for my life is because right now I feel like I'm just out here floating like a buoy. They're just out in the water floating. They just always stay there, just floating the whole time, never going anywhere, always marking things off. And I was like, Lord, I'm just floating here. I don't know where to go, what to do. I need you to tell me where to go. What's my mission? And as soon as I said that, on the inside of me, I heard the word Lansing. And I was like, Lansing, okay, that's a pretty big mission, but if that's what you say, that's what I'll do. So then I went to work, did my thing, went home, the next day I was on Facebook, because that's what you know people do these days, get on Facebook, and I saw a video from a church called City Life Lansing. And I was like, hey, this is pretty, my sister-in-law was going there. And so this is pretty neat, this is about a year ago, over a year ago. This is pretty cool, let me check it out. And it was this, this thing you guys were doing called Love the City. And I was watching people give out groceries, pay for laundry, uh, just help people out all over the city. And as I was watching the video, I remember God said to me, your mission is Lansing. And I was like, Lord, I can't build this by myself, or I don't know how to do that, but this is a group of people that are already out in the mission field. This is where I need to be. 
So then I came to Lansing, I liked it. My wife came um, to City Life, I liked it. My wife came here, she liked it. Kids came here, they love it. So my, my daughter was like, when is church? She always wants to go to church because she's like, when is church? We have church tomorrow? She's so excited. Can't wait to go to sleep, can't wait to wake up, can't wait to come here and be with the big kids, she says. So for all the, the Kid City team, you're doing a good job, that's good. All right, so today, whenever Jerome, he emailed me, and said, hey man, this is kind of short notice, no pressure, but I was praying about it and you, you kind of came up, so will you, will you give a word this weekend? And I said, yes, right away, I said, yes. So I was praying about it at work. I couldn't wait to get home to pray. And then sometimes we often think that, you know, I got to be in my prayer closet or in my prayer chair to get words from God. And sometimes he gives me stuff so fast that I'm like, could you wait a second, please? Because I'm like, I want to be at my house, you know, with my slippers on and my chair, praying about stuff. Then you give me great revelation. And sometimes he just gives it to you real fast. And you're like, man, that's good. But ah, because we have a, a preconceived notion of what prayer looks like. We think we have to be on our face. So we have to do this stuff. We have to do that stuff. God speaks to me a lot in the shower. He speaks to me a lot while I'm driving, especially. And for some reason, he speaks to me all the time when I'm at Walmart. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I go to Walmart too much or what, but every time I'm at Walmart, actually, no, I know why. I was thinking about this before I came here today. When my wife and I go to Walmart with the kids, she always says, you go do your stuff because I feel like you're rushing me all the time. So I always have time to go walk around there by myself and just, just pray and just listen, listen for God's voice, I guess. And, and he always talks to me. I was praying for my younger brother who was going through some stuff um, this was a couple months ago. He was going through some things, and I was like, Lord, you know, bless his life, and he doesn't know you yet, Lord, and I want him to come home to you and show up to him in a way that he'll understand, because the way that God saved me might not be the way that God's going to save him. So I'm like, Lord, personalize it. You care enough about him to do that. Show up to him where he's at and help him in what he's going through. And on the intercom above me, I heard to come on, and whoever listens to those things, nobody, right? So I'm walking, and I'm praying about that. Intercom comes on, and I stop, and I look up, because I'm listening, and on the intercom, it says, we have a call for grace. There's a call for grace. And right then, I almost cried in Walmart because I'm like, Lord, you heard me. You're hearing me, and you're working on this. So that's the kind of stuff he gives me at Walmart. Very spiritual place. That's my prayer place, I guess. I don't know. It's like, Lord, wait till I get to Walmart. Then tell me. Rolling back prices and sending out words of knowledge and all that stuff. So anyways, yeah, that's not even part of my notes. Um, I was at work, like I said, he gave me a word before I even asked for it because he's so ready. God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. I'm not just saying that because it sounds good. It's very, very true. I've been there. I've been born again for like, you know, 12 years, which really isn't a long time or anything. I'm still a baby in Christ, I guess you could say. But I've lived the try-hard Christian life. I've lived the you don't pray enough, you don't fast enough, you don't do this enough. And someday you'll get there, right? Someday you'll be good enough. And that's what I used to think, man, you know, you see people like on TV that are praying for the sick and they're healed and raising the dead and all these, you have people from around the world come to your church and give a, a window on the world and they do amazing things. And you're like, ah, oh, so exciting. I want to see that happen in my life. But in, on the inside, you're always like, someday that'll happen. Someday when you get yourself together, maybe after Bible school, I'm Bible school dropout, by the way, too. Maybe someday after you get, get through Bible school, yes, yeah, how successful I am. Um, someday when you get through Bible school, someday when you read your Bible in three months and all that stuff, then you'll be good enough. So I, I was always looking for the someday. But when you're looking for someday, this day never happens because you're always thinking about tomorrow and you'll never get there. One of the things the devil loves to tell you to do is you're not doing enough. There's even things, if you're going through a hard time and all of a sudden you're like, man, I feel like uh, he, he'll shoot these fiery darts in your mind that say, you should do more, you should do more, you should do more. Make sure that you're serving out of the right heart because the devil would love to get you paralyzed and just doing stuff for no reason. There's even a lot of things I used to do. It's like, why would I do those things? I don't even know. It's crazy now. So I was at work, finally, with the story. 
I was at work and I said, Lord, what do you want to say to your people? Because that's all I want to say. I don't want to get up here and tell you a bunch of stories that, you know, just kind of I threw together. I want to know what God's heart is for you because that is what's going to help you. There are some situations we're all facing that are very, very serious situations. And the only one that can help you through those things is Jesus. He's the only one that can do it. The Bible says, Jesus says in the Bible, apart from me, you can do nothing. No thing. So apart from God, you can't even get up in the morning. You can't put your shoes on in the morning. You can't even lace them up in the morning. Without him, you can do no thing. So, so however much you think you're trusting in God, it's much more than that. It's very deep. So I said, Lord, what do you want to say to your people? And he said to me something that he always says, and you know, sometimes I wish he'd say other things, but he always says, tell them that I love them. That was all he said. And I said, Lord, that's so good, but what else? You got 30 minutes, 35 minutes to fill here. That's all you want me to say? Tell them that I love them. So you need to know that God loves you. At prayer, uh, the Dream Team rally this morning, we're talking about a few things, and the reason, yeah, the reason that God wants you to know that he loves you, and this is, this is what we're going to do today. We're going to break down some barriers. We're going to change some mindsets. We're going to set you free, because 2018 is a year you have to be free. There's some places that God wants you to go that you can't go with the stuff you got on you right now. And I'm not talking about your mistakes. I'm talking about your regrets. I'm talking about your angers, that your, your, your scars, your bitterness, your hurts. So there's a place you want that God wants you to go that you can't go without that. So God wants you to know that he loves you because, to be honest, some of you think you're supposed to be broke. Some of you have the, the idea in your head that, well, I'm supposed to be sick. That's just what happens on this earth. I'm supposed to be broke. I'm supposed to be depressed all the time. I'm supposed to have anxiety. I'm supposed to be overweight because of these things, right? That's not God's heart for you. Jesus went to the cross, and something he, he showed to me recently, the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that it was our burdens he carried when he was whipped at the whipping post of the cross. That was for healing of your body. It says our burdens he carried, the chastisement for our peace, for you just to be normal every day, was upon his body. He did it for you already. And I, it was actually last week I was here, and I was praying about that. I said, that's so cool. Thank you for showing me that. And he says, when do you need healing? He said to me, when do you need healing? And I was thinking about it. And I said, well, when I get to heaven, it's all going to be gone, right? Like, I'll, I won't have to, I'll have a new body. I won't need healing. Everything will be straight. Just walking on the streets of gold, no big deal. He says, so that promise of healing is for you today, right now. You don't need to be healed in heaven because it's already done. If God wanted you to only be healed when you get to heaven, Jesus didn't have to go to the whipping post. He did that so your, his body was broken so your body could be whole. And that's why you need to know that God loves you. Because if, if you're hearing this, and on the inside of your head you hear a voice that says, yeah, but that's not me, that's what you need to hear. God loves you like crazy. And you need to know that he is for you. So you need to know that God loves you. So it's February. You know what that means? March. It's tax time, right? Everybody's filing those taxes, getting them returns in. People are making big plans. Instagram about to go crazy because people are popping off like wild and everybody's going to be looking good. Stevie Gunn's going to show up in a suit next Sunday. <laughs> all white. Walk in with a fur coat on, all kinds of stuff. But see, the thing about the direct, <laughs> the thing about, I don't know why, for some reason I wrote that down. I think I'm funny, so that's what, I, what I'm doing. I always tell my coworkers, they're like, oh, that wasn't very funny. I said, yeah, it doesn't matter because I'm the funniest person I've ever met. That's what I always say. <laughs> so it's tax time. But listen, you're not going to start writing those checks until you look at your bank account and there's a comma in there, right? Until you know that direct deposit hits your bank account. Because then you can dream all day and you can say, yeah, 
It's kind of like faith. You can dream all day and say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, finally get my, tire, my tires fixed on, on, the, on the car, get my rearview mirror replaced, whatever it is, whatever you got going on. But you can't do that until the direct deposit hits, right? And you know you have it. So that's why you need to know that God loves you because if you don't know that his love and God's righteousness is credited to your account already, you're not going to write those checks. You're not going to say, Lord, heal my body because you're going to think, well, someday he'll heal me. Or if, you know, if, I'm, if I was a Christian or the devil will come to you and say, he's real good at this. He loves this stuff. He'll come to you and say, you know, maybe if you would have just prayed. Like, or I used to get really, really down on myself. If I'd, if I'd read my Bible at nighttime and fall asleep, I'd be so upset with myself. Oh, man. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I fell asleep reading your Bible. Now I do it on purpose when I can't sleep so I can fall asleep. <laughs> so the devil loves to tell you, like, you know, if you was really a Christian, you wouldn't be going through that stuff. You know, if you're really righteous, like people say you are, like you think you are, you'd be much farther along than you are right now. The devil always comes to you to tell you that you haven't done enough, you're not far enough along in your walk, or whatever it may be. So I want to tell you that God loves you because 2018 is a year to get out of your struggle. I wanted to, I didn't get uh, Caitlin to put this up on the screen yet, but I wanted to tell her, like, we want to call this No Struggle Sunday, right? Because we're all going through something, but it's a No Struggle Sunday, because uh, in 2018, we're all going through stuff, and there's, there's things that God wants you to go through, but that's the thing, is you're supposed to go through stuff, right? The Bible says that we are more than conquerors. So to be a conqueror of a thing, that means that you're totally on top of it, right? You have control of that thing, whatever you, do, whatever you say it does. But the Bible says that we are more than that. So whatever it is in your life, whether it's debt or sickness or disease or bitterness or anger or, or bad relationships, whatever it is, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to be over those things and even more above that. You're not supposed to just be in charge. You're supposed to be in charge of the in charge, right? Like you're so high level that you don't even have to deal with problems. You got a guy for that. Like somebody else does that. His name is Jesus, right? And he, he loves you enough to do that. He did that for you. It's so amazing. Like I can't get enough of this stuff. And most of the things I'm talking about already this morning are not even in my notes. I've been trying to like rein myself in a little bit because as I, was, I got here early and I was here bawling my eyes out, eyes out in a chair over here while they were doing a the worship practices this morning, because it's like, man, God, you're so good. You know, I've been going through rough times. We all go through rough times, and it's like just feeling his presence and knowing he's right there. Nothing can touch you in that space. And know that that, that presence and that stuff is freely available to you because of what he did, not because of what you do. That's grace. So there's a difference between grace and mercy. Mercy is, uh, is God not giving you what you deserve, and grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. So I used to work with a woman who was a single mom, and she had two kids, and she's always like, oh, my kids are so bad. My kids are this, and my kids are that. And, and she would always talk about how crazy her kids were. And uh, as I'm listening to this story, any sane person would say, man, she's not a very good mom. And it's like, I, I would never say that, but I was struggling with this, like speaking words of grace to people, like enriching other people's lives. And I was like, Lord, how does this work? Because she's telling me all this stuff, and I just want to tell her you shouldn't do these things that you're doing because you're making your kids worse. But I didn't want to say that. I wanted to speak grace. So as she left the room, I was at work, and I was... Uh, thinking about this woman, and I said, Lord, how can I speak grace to this? I don't know. I feel like I'm lying. And he said, Ryan, what is grace? I said, grace is your unmerited favor. You give us things we don't deserve. He said, well, give her grace. Give her words she don't deserve, and that's going to empower her to be a better person, a better, a better human, a better mom, a better parent, and that's what we need from God. God wants to give you words of grace that you don't deserve, so when you hear from him, you can use that to empower you to, to, be, to be better. Get caught up in my notes here. Page one. So yeah, tax time, y'all. Hope y'all ready. Let's go. Don't follow me on Instagram. But be car rentals every day. I'm just kidding. It's not. 
So yeah, if you, do, if, you, if you don't know the direct deposit hit that bank account, you're not going to write the checks. If you don't know that God's righteousness is on your side and for you, there's nobody that wants you to be more successful than Jesus does. And I don't mean billionaire, zillionaire, I got five cars and I live on a boat half the year. What he means is like, God, he said himself, I came so they may have life and life more abundant. So once again, conqueror, more than conqueror, life, he just wants you, that's your base, your starting package is life. And then life more abundant. That's where he wants you to be. He wants you to be reigning in life. He wants you to be on top of the problems. Whenever they crossed the sea and the sea grew rough and the, the people, the disciples were in the boat, they told Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? And then he wakes up. He says, why'd you doubt? He calmed the storm and said, why did you doubt? So in the very same things in your life, Jesus wants to calm those storms. So 2018 is a year to go through, whether, whether it is you're facing sickness, loss, pain, or, or debt, or whatever. But here's the thing we got to get in our heads. Don't love your struggle. Who here has Facebook? Anybody go on Twitter? <laughs> okay, it's like half the people. It's all right. I like Twitter. It's cool. I tweet quite a bit. Very prolific Twitter game. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, don't love your struggle. A lot of times what happens is that we live in things so long, and sometimes it's not real serious. Sometimes Billy Burke, who's a healing evangelist, he always, something he said that sticks with me all the time, he says, what you have in your life is what you deal with, what you allow to stay there. So a lot of times if you have headaches or something little, you think, oh, it's not all right, it's not a big deal, I'll take some time and all. You'll never really like, want to push through to get rid of that stuff or find the root cause of that problem and get it out of your life because you're just dealing with it. So he says what you allow is what you're, what you're dealing with. So don't love your struggle. You're meant to go through and not live in that place. You're not supposed to live at one, two, three struggle lane your whole life. And if you've been struggling for years and years, I used to do this. There's bad habits like road rage or just talking about people or whatever it might be. I would always find myself, oh, man, you know, I, I messed up again or I got, I got upset at some guy on the road today. And then you're driving and you're like, Lord, I'll never do that again. Father, I, you know, help me. I'm going to do this because I love you, Lord. I'm going to do this. And then you drive and then all of a sudden every bad driver in Lansing is attracted to your, the lane of traffic you're in. And it just drives you nuts. Like if you trust in your flesh to get yourself better, that better will only last as long as your flesh does, and it doesn't last very long. Maybe tomorrow on Monday, you're feeling, you know, man, went to church yesterday, feeling good, going to church, work on Monday, I love everybody, and then on Tuesday, it gets worse, and Wednesday gets worse, and Thursday gets worse, and Friday gets worse, and then you come in Sunday and get filled up again. But if you trust in your flesh to make your life better, if you want your act right, if you want to start acting right by your flesh, then you're going to have to keep it up, and you can't. If it, could ever be, if it could ever be about us getting our lives together and then someday we're just really good enough to get to heaven, Jesus didn't have to die. For what? Jesus came to the cross to die for us because the Lord knew we could never get our lives together by ourselves. There has to be someone else. There has to be a sacrifice, and his name is Jesus. And he came for us. It's amazing. So let's go to John chapter 5. Here's a guy that loved to struggle. City life, Lansing. Live and living color. John chapter 5. I'm going to scoot over so you guys can see this. I don't know if... So there's this place in Jerusalem. It's a pool of Bethesda. The cool thing about the pool of Bethesda, Bethesda, the word, the place, the city, means, means the, the house, of, house of mercy. So there's a pool there with five covered porches. And Jesus was walking along, and he, he went there, and there was this guy that was lame for 38 years, right? So the story of this place, if you don't know, the story of this place is that there's a pool, and there's five porches, so all the sick people would go there and hang out. Supposedly, there would be, every once in a while, an angel would come down from heaven, and stir the waters, and once the waters were stirred up, the first person to jump in there was healed. That was the story, right? So this is kind of the setting of where we're at. So John 5. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. 
Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, sheep gate, so we are the flock, right? Kind of cool, Jerusalem. Uh, sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which is house of mercy, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, <laughs> invalids, that's a funny word, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. So this is a guy living at 123 Struggle Lane, 38 years. He's been like struggling. You know, he's been wanting to get healed and he's, he's doing what he thinks he knows how to do in the natural. He's at the porches, right? He's at the place. He's at the place where the healing happens. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? So the funny thing about this is that Jesus was walking along. He went to this place and he knew that guy was, was, uh, had been sick and, and paralyzed for, for 38 years and Jesus didn't say like, hey man, what happened? How'd you get here? He, didn't, he wasn't worried about the details because God says, I know I have the power. To, Jesus said, I know I have the power to fix him. Let's just ask this man directly, hey, do you want to be healed, right? So the problem with this is this guy loved to struggle. Can, if, if they had Facebook back in these days, can you imagine like this guy, he was laying there for 38 years and you know he's probably like, man, he's on Facebook posting like, at the porches again, today's my day. Then the next day you say, nope, maybe next time. Or, you know, so-and-so, if only, if only I had someone here to help me out. You know how vague booking is? Like they say stuff about somebody without saying somebody's name. Saw so so-and-so walk by yesterday. I'll remember that. They weren't, here to, they weren't here for me in my darkest time. You imagine like what his Facebook posts were like. He's, he's, you know, taking shots at people. So Jesus says to him in verse 6, he said to him, one, he just asked him a question, do you want to be healed? Now, if you're sick and Jesus appears, it's easy for us because we know who Jesus is at this time. If Jesus appeared to you and said, hey, do you want to be healed? What would you say? Yes, right? <laughs> would you have to think about it? Like, I don't know, maybe. But if he's right there and he says, hey, do you want to be healed? Yes, like I'll take two, you know what I mean? Like, that's it. If you go to the next verse, this is what he said. This is how you know this guy was stuck in his struggle. So Jesus said, do you want to be healed? The man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. So Jesus, the very Son of God himself on the earth, is reaching down to this man that's been there for 38 years and says, hey, do you want to be healed? And instead of the man saying, yes, heal me, I want to get out of this mess, he says, I can't. I have no one to put me in the pool when the water stirred up, and while I'm going, another one steps down before me. So he's like, you need to feel sorry for me. You hear my struggle? You hear my story? And that's what happens on Facebook. You hear people say, oh, man, you know, living off, living off a cup of coffee. Been awake for 67 days, and I'm, just, I'm making it. I'm just making it. And that's okay to say that stuff. But listen, if you do that, here's the problem. I love people, but I have to keep my mouth shut a lot of times because I'm like, you need to stop saying things like that. If you're broadcasting to the whole world, this is what my struggle is. What you're going to get is people saying, oh, you're so great. Oh, you're so strong. I don't know how you do a girl. Like, I don't know how you do a man. But if that's what you're doing, the response from man is the only reward you get. If you're telling, see those Facebook posts to the world of saying, like, I'm struggling so bad. Man, whoo, when am I going to catch a break? If that's your Facebook post to Facebook and not to Jesus, you're going to stay at 123 Struggle Lane for a long time. So this guy was at Struggle Lane. He's getting his mail there, getting his checks, his tax return. He got a check. It's coming at 123 Struggle Lane. <laughs> so the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. So he was also focused on his actions. Jesus said, for some reason, this man heard Jesus say, Why aren't you well? 
What he said was, do you want to be well? But this guy says, well, here's my actions. You know, I'm trying. I'm trying my best, Lord, every day. I'm just trying. I'll just get through every day. I, had to, I prayed for a woman one time who had pain in her body, and she had, like, severe pain all over her whole body all the time. I said, hey, I want to pray for you because, you know, I believe God will heal your body. No big deal. We'll just pray, and you'll be healed. That's it. And she's like, yeah, you can pray for me, you know. And I was like, well, what happened? How, how did this happen? And she's like, well, I got this disease or whatever it is, and it makes me hurt every day, and I'm on this medicine, and I take, like, 12 things a day and blah, 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 all this stuff. And I asked to be nice, but I don't really care about the details. It's like if Jesus is going to heal somebody, he's going to do it. It doesn't matter what the details is. Like, that's for him to figure out, right? <laughs> he says, heal the sick. He didn't say, ask him about stuff. But, uh, yeah, you got to be very direct. you to get to the, the core of mankind, black heart of mankind. Oh, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so I was praying for this woman, and I wanted to pray for her. And she's like, yeah, you know, I struggle, and, and my body hurts all the time, and it's just, you know, it's a bother. And I was like, hey, Jesus loves you. He wants to heal your body. She's like, yeah, you, you can pray for me, you know, I, but I just always, I just make it through, you know. I'm always just, make, people tell me all the time, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. And she's like, you know, I just push through every day. I just, you know, suck it up and I just do it. I just do it. And it's like, yeah, she's, her, she's broadcasting her struggles to everyone but Jesus, right? So what happens when you do that? You stay at one, two, three, struggle lane. So the man said, oh, I got no one to put me in the water. This guy loved his struggle. He was at home in his struggle. <laughs> I don't have it in my notes, but actually what happened next is Jesus didn't respond to any of his stuff, right? A lot of times we have extra fluff that we say, like there used to be, there was a time I was going through, a, a, I was having some really bad thoughts in my head and, and I was going through a really tough time in my life and I, would, I was praying about it because that's what I knew to do. I was like, Lord, you got to take this from me because I need to pray. But I would always tell him about everything except for all the crazy thoughts I was having as if I was able to hide something from God. Because I was like, man, if he knew that about me, I'd be so embarrassed. Or if he knew that about me, he definitely wouldn't love me anymore. If he knew that, if he, he knew I was having thoughts like this, none of it would matter. He wouldn't care. He would think I'm a bad person. And then one day I was praying about it, and I had this picture on my head of me with a giant megaphone on top of my head. And the Lord says, everything you think I can see, everything you think I can hear, and I still love you. And I was blown away by that. Your heart breaks open, right, because you're exposed, but in the best possible way. If God brings things up about you, it's only because he wants to fix you. So there's things like, he's been showing me in my life that I'm like a, a stony garden, right? Like I'm, if you think of like this field that's unplanted, it's like soil, and you see like the, the, the lines in it from the, from the plow going through, and they're, they're getting the land ready to plant. And there's stones in there they gotta bring up. There's roots in there they gotta bring up. He says, Ryan and you, I'm bringing up these old things, and sometimes those things hurt. But I'm doing that in you because you're going to be better in the end. you got to let God get into your most inner, inner, inner parts, the very private things, the secret things, because he knows already. One time he told me, he says, Ryan, I want to know you because you want me to know you, not because I can, because I'm God, right? And I said, Lord, all right. So he wants you to tell him those things. He wants you to share the struggle with him because he's the one that can fix it. So another reason you need to know that God loves you is because grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. It's his un, un, unmerited favor. It's God's favor. And that's what happened. See, the beautiful thing about the gospel and why I think it's so amazing, I used to think that I had to, I had to gotta find a good package to put Jesus in. I gotta make sure, and you go to concerts, and they're like, you know, pass around this penny. And the penny is dirty now, but who could make it clean? And all these, all these stories, right, to get to people. I used to think, man, I gotta get a good pitch. You know, I gotta get a good story made up. I gotta get something good. One time, uh, I wanted to pray for the sick, and this, this person at another church was like, we're going to send you out to pray for the sick. Make sure you, like, read some books about how to give good speeches and things like that. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to do that, because I had learned that Jesus was so beautiful that you don't have to put him in a package. You just have to let the gospel be the gospel. The gospel is called the good news for a reason. 
But the problem with us, most of the time, is that if you don't believe that good news really is good news, you're not going to give it to anybody. Because you're going to be like, man, my friend's struggling, but so am I. I ain't telling him nothing about Jesus because he ain't helping me either. And I'm going through the same stuff, not even knowing that the gospel is not about you, it's about Jesus. In the gospel is revealed the righteousness of God, right? Not the sinfulness of man. So the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he lived a sinless life, became sin for us at the cross, so that at the cross we could become the righteousness of God when you accept him. It's like Jesus asked the whole world, will you marry me? And we just have to say yes. We enter into the new covenant. Yeah, that's, that's not in my notes, but that's good stuff. The gospel is good news. It's not just a, a catchy slogan. So going through struggles, you need to know that God's grace is, is racing towards you in your struggle. Who here has a weakness? Whatever it may be, weaknesses. Whether it be anger, whether it be hanging up on people on the phone, whether it be you know, having someone call you and you don't answer because they're like, hey, if it feels important, they text me, right? You don't answer that phone. Don't call me. It's not that serious. <laughs> Whatever your weakness is, know that God, God has grace for that. The Bible says that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So if you're weak, if you think of on a scale of 1 to 10, well, I'm a weak level 7 in my head or in my, in my mind or in my, my love for other people. I'm a, level, I'm a level 2. I'm real weak in that. God's grace is there to make you stronger in those areas. He's a, God's grace is speeding towards you because he's attracted to your weakness. God's grace is attracted to that stuff. He, he, he's attracted to the broken pieces. Everybody goes through struggles. Even the Apostle Paul, the next, next uh, scripture here should be 2 Corinthians. Bam, look at that. Prophetic. I knew that was coming. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. This is the Apostle Paul. So he, he was, in, to give you context, he's talking about all this cool stuff he had seen. And he's like, oh, you know, went to the third heaven and I saw stuff too, too beautiful to even put in words and all this stuff was going on. But he said that he was given a, um, a thorn in the flesh to keep him from coming, becoming proud. And this is what he said. He says, three times, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. So he's like, Jesus, please, I'm struggling. Take this away from me. He said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So the thing that we got to get our minds out of is that when I, was first, when I was first born again, I always thought that, you know, I'm a baby Christian, so I have dirty diapers and all that stuff. I'm just learning. You know, I'm a little guy in Christ, and I, I make messes a lot, and that's okay because you're a baby Christian. But as you grow up, as you grow up, you make less messes now. You don't wear diapers anymore, so you can't wet yourself and all this stuff. So I always thought that as I became more spiritually strong, more spiritually grown up, that I'd make less mistakes. It's not true. I actually make more mistakes now. The only difference between me being a new Christian and a more like seasoned Christian is now I, I realize them sooner. In the beginning, I was just kind of like, oh, that's just how things are. But now when things happen, you're like, oh, you know, I shouldn't have done that. I do that all the time. With my kids, I'm like, y'all quit fighting in there. And I'm like, oh, I should have done something different. I shouldn't have said that. My daughter was, my daughter's a total, she's a very funny person. Um, and we were getting in the car, and I was like, hey, get in your car, get in your car seat, because she's the first one to get in the car. And I'm, I always tell her, like, girl, you're the first one in the car. You should be the first one ready. And she's always the last one ready to go. And so she's getting in the car, and she's dancing around. I'm like, I'm like, Ness, you need to sit down. Sit down in your seat because you're the first one in the car. And it's like, just, I don't know, that's one of my things. And then she was like, okay. She sat down, and it breaks my heart now. And on the inside of me, the Lord says, you shouldn't do that. I said, why not? And he said, let her be an individual. If you keep telling her to stop being who she is, she's going to end up with some of the same problems you have. Because there's some stuff in me that's from way long ago that he's bringing up now. And I'm like, Lord, why are you bringing up old stuff? We've got to get over this. 
But yeah, so he's pulling up those roots. And that's what, that's what having a correction from the Lord is. A lot of people are afraid that God's going to correct them with like a broken leg or something crazy like that. I used to go to a life group with an older woman, really sweet lady. And she used to always say, if you don't do what the Lord says, you're going to get a spanking. And I always thought that was hilarious. And I was like, man, that's so crazy. Like, is that what she thinks? That God's waiting to like just, bam, in the back of the head, you know, slap you around a little bit. That's not the way it works. A lot of times when God corrects me, he's always like, should you have done that? One time my daughter was, this is years ago, my daughter was sick. And I was texting my wife because I went to work and my wife's good enough. She's a stay-at-home mom, which we're so blessed to be able to do that. And um, I was like, how's she doing? Oh, she's still got a cough and she's, she's a little whiny. And I was like, oh, that's good. I'll be praying for her. And as I was walking, I said, oh, my poor baby, while I'm walking to work. And on the inside, God says, why do you say that? And when God speaks, you listen, right? And I was like, uh, what do you mean? He's like, why do you call her poor? She's not poor. Don't call her that anymore. That's what correction is. God wants to put you on the right path, and he wants to fix those little things in you. There's so much more I could say because he corrects me all the time. All the time. So, yeah. So God's grace is racing towards your weaknesses. If you have broken spots, if you have places where, like, I'm just not good enough there, God wants to give you grace in that area. And, how do you, and the way to make that work is you say, Lord, I receive it. I can't. Father, I can't stop yelling at people in traffic. Lord, I can't stop, you know, wishing people would get their lives together and being judgmental. I can't do that stuff because I tell him all the time. I said, Lord, I need you to fix this in me because if I could do it, I would have fixed it a long time ago. But you can't. But if you keep trying to do it yourself, God says, all right, go ahead. Here you go. Here it is. Rolls it back to you and says, Here you, come to me when you're ready to give that up. So that's why you got to know God loves you because he's on your side. He's not judging you. God's not waiting for you to get your act together because he already knows you never had it together in the first place. It's not about cleaning yourselves up and then coming to Christ, right? So when you are, when you are in need and you're weak, what do you think God gives you more of? Let's go to the next verse here. Hebrews 4, 16. Very good. I had to look this up in the Holy Concordance, google.com to find out what, where it was. I uh, reference that quite a bit. So it says, let us then with confidence, confidence, in other translations it says boldly, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of what? Grace. That's what, that's what God the Father sits on, a throne of grace. Not, not, he's not judging you. It's a throne of grace because you're believers. We have very, like just oh, such good access. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find What? Grace, grace to help. So look, we come to the throne of grace, confidence. We go to him and say, Lord, this is my problem. We don't have to say, Lord, let me crawl in here so you don't, you know, because I used to think, I used to think like some, some people think there was a, a preacher on TV, and I won't say names because it doesn't matter, but he's like, Lord, I just want to make it to heaven. I don't care if I got to sneak in the door. I don't care if I got to get, get in a crack in the window. I'm getting in. And it's like, man, we think that we're barely saved, that we're barely going to make it there. If you do that, what you're saying is the work of Jesus was barely good enough for me. Can you imagine that? When you think of it that way, if you're saying like, oh, I'm going to barely make it to heaven. I'm going to barely make it, man. If I make it, I'll be surprised. Woo. <laughs> it's funny because some people who come to church who aren't believers, you ever have those people that, I can't go. If I go, the building will burn down. You have those people, I can't go to church. They kick me out, building will burn, catch on fire right when I walk in. As if God, if God wanted you dead, they couldn't kill you anywhere else. He has to do it in church. I don't know, it's weird. But yeah, don't be a believer that's like, I'm barely making, I'm gonna barely make it in the door. Because the finished work of Jesus was good enough for everyone, not just you, but everyone. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
But here's the thing. Here's where we're breaking down barriers today. But you don't understand, Ryan. I'm in this mess because of me. You know, I gambled my money away or I left my wife or I cheated, whatever it is. I'm in this mess because of me. Do you think God wants to help me out too? Because, right, if you make the mess, you got to clean it up. God's going to be like, hey, you fix that up and come back to me, buddy. When, when, you're, when you're good to go, we'll, we'll uh, get ourselves together. So let's go to the next verse. It's actually a whole psalm because we're super spiritual here at City Life. So this is a famous psalm. If you, if you haven't heard it, good. This is good stuff. If you have heard it before, you'll know. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Can you imagine that? Take a minute to, if, if you're, like, I do the one-year Bible because it's just really easy to do on my phone. Sometimes I whip through that stuff so fast, I'm like, what did I just read? I don't even know. But sometimes when you slow down, think about it. The Lord is my shepherd, right? So he's the guy in charge. You're the sheep. I shall not want, which means you have all, you should, I, I shall not want, I shall not lack. I have all that I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. If you're a sheep, what do you want? Green pastures. Wide open fields for you to jump around and be a sheep in. He leads me beside still waters, right? Still waters. If you close your eyes and you picture a stream, you're just like just chilling by the still waters. And you didn't even have to get yourself there. He leads you right by that. He restores my soul. That's where your emotions are. Your spirit is where, where God lives. Your soul is where your emotions, your thoughts are. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So when you do good stuff, do you think it was you? <laughs> The Bible says that we are slaves of righteousness when you're born again. Do you think it's because you're a good person that you did good stuff? What happens is God is so good and he's so awesome that he sets traps for you, for you to walk into. So like it, the Bible talks about he set up things for us long ago. So like next week there's a thing here that he's got righteousness in. And then you walk and he says, hey, go over here. And you go there and things happen. And then he's like, oh, everyone's like, oh, God's so awesome. He leads me in paths of righteousness. He tells you where to go. Leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. He's a shepherd, right? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Go to the next one. If there is a next one, yeah. You prepare a table for me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That means if you have sickness in your body, if there's debt or whatever it is, even while those things are still there, God is preparing a table for you right amongst them so that you can show them, like, I'm not scared of you. I have a God that loves me. I'm feeding on his word. I'm feeding on the Psalms. I'm feeding on, on his grace for me and his love for me. Even in the midst of your struggle, there's a table for you to eat. Because he says, hey, right in front of them, let's do this. More than a conqueror. To let the devil know, you don't have hold of me. I'm above you and even above that. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I have more stuff in my notes, but I want to drive this last point home. Oh, that's good. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. That's what God does for you. He anoints your head with oil, your thoughts, your imaginations, your mind, your thinking. He wants you to change how you think about him. My cup overflows because he does that for me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So you're saying to yourself, I'm in this mess because of me, right? Can you go back a slide, please? So let's see. He leads me beside still waters, right? That's what he does. Even though I walk. He leads, I walk. So this means right here, you're going through that because you wanted to go there. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
So even when you're in, in the midst of situations that's your own fault, your own doing, he says, I'm with you. My rod and my staff protect and comfort you. So no matter what you're going through today, know that God is with you. His love is for you, and he is on your side. He told, his, he told the first people, be fruitful and multiply. He's saying the same for you. Be fruitful. Go and succeed. Because if you have a lot, then the church has a lot. And if the church has a lot, then a lot of people are going to hear about him. About what? The gospel, which is the good news. All right? So remember, you're not supposed to live at one, two, three, struggle lane. There's a guy, a pastor that once said, if you're going through hell, keep going. You're supposed to go through that stuff. If you find yourself living in it and say, Lord, this is enough. This has got to be the year. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need you to, to get me through these things because I can't do it myself. Let him into the innermost parts. And also, having uh, life groups launch soon is super fitting because you can't do this stuff alone. You can't do this stuff alone. God wants you to know that he loves you, that he's on your side, and that you're his kid. The Bible says that it's his great pleasure to give you the kingdom. The one place we don't have to struggle is with him. Father, help me with this. That's it. He says, I got it. Give all your cares to God because he cares for you. All right, so I want to pray for you guys. Uh, we don't have a lot of time left, and I could keep going forever. Trust me, I could just talk all the time. Talk till my voice goes out. I want to pray for you that God's going to open your hearts and, and just pour himself in. And there's something that I like to pray all the time, and it sounds kind of silly, but it, it makes sense. And what I like to pray is, Holy Spirit, make Jesus more real to us. Because sometimes when you're, you have symptoms in your body, you're like, man, this is real. I feel that. And sometimes Jesus doesn't feel that real. It's like, I know Sunday I felt his presence and everything was good, but now it's kind of like, I don't know. I just don't know. I'm not in that same place anymore. So it's good to have Jesus be real in your life because that's where faith is. One thing I mentioned in the Dream Team Rally is that in this message, if nothing else, I want to give you hope for something because faith is the substance of things hoped for, right? So if you're hoping for nothing, then faith has nothing to give substance to. What is it? Like supernatural, supernatural debt cancellation. I'm hoping for that, Lord. I'm hoping that your word on healing is true. I'm hoping that this, I'm hoping that that, and that's what faith is going to give substance to. So Father, I thank you so much for giving us most of all your son, Jesus. Lord, your word says in Romans that if you gave him up for us all, won't you also along with him freely give us all things? So right now, Lord, for this congregation, for anyone hearing this podcast, Lord, I'm praying that you would give them all things because of Christ Jesus. And Lord, open our hearts and make us more sensitive to you. And Holy Spirit, always, always, always make Jesus more real to us. Lord, in the broken areas, let your grace flow. Father, where we are weak, we call out for your grace. Let your perfect power be manifest in us. And Lord, let us live that life and life more abundant so that we can spill out on other people. And they will all know that you are a real God who can fix their real problems. Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.